Welcome to episode 913 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I am Justin Mason without Paul Spora today. Uh, Paul got the vaccine and we are happy for him that he is going to be healthy, but today he is feeling pretty sick from the after effects of that. So I had to bring in a guest. I had to bring in a ringer. I had to bring in someone who could equal Paul's level of talent and clearly is much better looking and funnier. And that is Matt Williams from Roto Fanatic. <laughs> Matt, how you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to pinch it here for the the amazing Paul Spore. Uh, feel better, buddy. I mean, yeah. Some 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 people can avoid the side effects. Some can't. <laughs> so get, get get better soon. He he was uh, he got it a couple days ago, and and yesterday I was like, "How you feeling? Are you okay?" And he was like, "Hey, uh, my arm's sore, but I, I'm fine." And then today he's like. I'm not fine. I'm, I'm <laughs> that not reminds fine. me of when you got it. You told me you, you uh-huh. didn't feel well. Remember, I got it, and I responded to you. I feel fine. And then like eight hours later, I'm like, I don't feel fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it, so, yeah, if anybody's going to be getting the vaccine, uh, you know, just plan for uh, maybe a couple days off after or, or get it scheduled for Friday so you can have the weekend off. Um, <laughs> but we're going to roll on without him. We have a ton of news to kind of cover Uh, We'll go through the news quickly, and then I wanted to talk to you about some players who having some slow starts to start the season and whether or not we're worried, whether or not we're going to do anything actionable with kind of their slow starts. Uh, But let's start with uh, Kettle Marte. He pulled up lame, uh, running uh, out of ground ball to first. Um, Seemed to be in a lot of pain. Uh, It looked really ugly, like it could be a pulled hamstring or a torn hamstring. Early reports are that it's a cramp, which seems it doesn't seem to line up with what it looked like, at least, right? So what do you think about this, Matt? You, you cover a lot of news um, over there at the, uh, the Roto World. Oh, sorry, not uh, <laughs> NFBC Sports Edge uh, um, site. So uh, what, what, what did you take on this? Are you worried about Kettle Marte at all? I mean, I am. I'm glad to hear that they think it might be a cramp. But like, if you watch the video, he went down like, I mean, not went down. He It, it went, it looked like he was shot. And that's usually a hamstring, uh, the way he limped down. And then he went down to the grass and was helped off the field by the trainer. So, yeah, I, I have a lot of shares of, of Marte. So he had an amazing spring uh, and was off to like a crazy start so far this season. So, I mean, even if he's out for a month that would be pretty catastrophic second base is such a shallow position this year it's unlikely you have a a anywhere near a reasonable backup probably uh, you'll just deplete maybe your middle infield spot if you're lucky but yeah i i'll be optimistic about the cramp thing but it sure didn't look like it like you said from the video it looked worse than it is and just hopefully they take their time with it i'm willing to just take an l for a week if that means it's something minor just don't just don't rush him back because you know these things like the obliques, like this kind of stuff can just uh, you come back too early and all of a sudden, boom, you're like, you know, you pull a Josh Donaldson and you're out. Yeah, I mean, I'm I was actually texting with Paul and Jason and Eno yesterday prior to this happening. Um, and we were talking about just how good he's looked. And I was like, I'm ready to take the L on. Or I, I said, I think I think I'm going to have to take the L on being out on Kettle Marte coming into the season because he's looking like the guy he was prior to 2020. Um, And then this happened. And so like, I'm not going to sit here and like victory lap over an injury. Uh, And I hope he is, uh, I hope he's okay. 
Like, cause he's a fun player to watch when he's good. He's like, it's one of my favorite players in the league. Um, so, uh, hoping that he's okay. Um, we'll get more news hopefully, you know, over the course of the next day or two. So kind of keep attuned to that. I did forget to remind you to uh, let everybody know where you reached on social media and then plug everything you do. So go ahead and do that real quick. Yeah. I'm not like a well-known commodity. So everyone's like, who is this disembodied voice? Who Mm -hmm. are we listening to? Uh, My name is Matt Williams. I'm not the former player slash poor manager or the creator of home improvement. There's a lot of Matt Williams out there. I work it over at NBC Sports Edge. You can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I 77-I-A-M-S. Uh, and I'm also a Roto Fanatic. I do the Circling the Bases podcast over at NBC Sports Edge and the Turn 2 podcast. Yeah, you are putting in a ton of work. I love what you do. Uh, if you're not following Matt on Twitter, go follow him right now. Uh, he does player breakdowns. They're absolutely amazing. Like we're talking like it feels like a 40 tweet thread. I know it's not quite 40, but uh, you go into a lot of depth. It, it's, it teaches me a lot about things that maybe I'm missing on players. So I always really appreciate it uh, that you do that and do it for free publicly out there. And then you do a lot of great work. So please, please go follow Matt. Yeah, go follow Matt. Go follow Matt everywhere. Go do it. Yeah, everywhere. Do it now. <laughs> Uh, pause the podcast. Oh, no, don't pause. Not, not dude, like, dude. you know, where I live. That's crossing the line. Yeah, no, no, yeah, definitely. definitely don't, <laughs> follow, don't follow him home from work. <laughs> um, our next piece of news uh, is Arizona Diamondbacks uh, as well. Uh, Chris Davinsky, who had gotten a save, I talked about on the last episode, having picked him up uh, in <laughs> a number of leagues uh, because uh, he looked like he might be the guy with Joaquin Soria uh, injured. He has a weird outing. Um, it, he doesn't look good. Uh, and then directly after the game, he's placed on the restricted list. Uh, the Diamondbacks have said uh, that it's for personal reasons. It is not illness-related. It is not injury-related. Um, we don't have any other information about that as of this recording time, which is uh, 11 a.m. Thursday morning on the West Coast. Uh, so 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, but w- what are you doing with Chris Davinsky right now? I mean, people just blew some fab on him to pick him up. Um, and now they're like, uh-oh, what, 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 what do we do? Here, Here's an embarrassing thing I'm going to admit, but I'm going to admit it because I want to be completely transparent. The, the the minute I found out Chris Davinsky was on the Diamondbacks was when he came in for the save. Uh, I I forget because I mean I I take I take notice of all the players. I mean I'm in a lot of deep like draft champions draft and hold type leagues, but of all the people that I I made a room for for the Diamondbacks bullpen who could work into their future plans, he was not one of them. Uh, he pitched a lot of innings over his career. I mean he's like you said he didn't look good his fastball and his changeup were down five miles per hour. But, I mean, here I am thinking Kevin Ginkle, St- Stefan Kreiken, J.B. Bukowskis, all these different guys that could win in there, and I never bet on him. So, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I guess fortunately I don't have many shares of him, but I have no idea. I was worried he was injured with – I mean, it's one thing to have your velocity down a tick or two during April. It's cold weather. It's, you know, people are ramping up, especially relievers, but five miles per hour is a problem. But like you said, it's the restricted list, not the IL, nothing nothing weird. So, yeah, I, I don't know what you do. I mean, if you, you have him and you absolutely need a closer, you just hold on for now because he seemed like the preferred guy. Uh, but, you know, I don't know how long you can wait for that. You know, the, hopefully there should be an update today. I can't imagine there won't be. They promised yesterday there'd be an update after the game, but there was not. Yeah, I, I looked before we started recording, and I, I have not seen anything yet. So 
Um, this is a weird situation because typically if you're having a baby, you go on the paternity list. Mm -hmm. um, and we were talking about this before. I was like, well, maybe it's a death in the family. But I believe there's actually a bereavement list. Oh, yeah, there, uh, is, there is a bereavement list, yeah. And so this being placed on the restricted list typically means a player has decided to walk away from the game. Hmm. Um, so I don't know what that means. Hopefully before fab runs this weekend, we'll have some more information. Maybe he's the first, maybe he's the first pine tar guy. And that's why his, the, his, his stuff was off. Maybe they're maybe I, he's I, being taken out for pine tar. I have no idea. Who do you think is next man up? Do you think it is Ginkle? Do you think it's Crichton, Taylor Clark, Yon Lopez? Like I, I, like, I don't even I know what to make of this bullpen. If I had to put my money, I'd say Kraken, right? Because he had the experience last year. I think the best pitcher to take over is Kevin Ginkle, at least on the staff. I think J.B. Bukowskis takes this at some point. But I assumed Joaquin Soria or someone like that, when he was healthy, they were going to keep him in the spot long enough to trade him because they're not you know, going to contend. No offense to them. They, they had some their own setbacks other than this. So, yeah, if I had to put my money, I'd say Kraken. We're probably going to be looking at some kind of a committee like we are everywhere. But if uh, if I had to pick up one, I'd say in a, in a you know in a twelve team or fifteen team, I'd probably go Crichton. But yeah, well, Ginkle's Ginkle's better. Yeah, I I kind of just I'm going to echo everything you just said. I, I think Crichton's probably the guy right now. I think Ginkle is probably like the guy in waiting. And, you know, unless Soria comes back quickly from the IL, I don't even know how long he's supposed to be out. Um, Oh, JB how about one one guy who could be a dark horse? Because JB's in the uh, you were about to bring him up. He's in the minors. How about mm -hmm. Caleb Smith? Um, they, I mean, it wouldn't be immediate, but they put him to the bullpen. Mm -hmm. If they simplify what he's trying to do, which some guys you know can't survive in the rotation, but he is a he's a big strikeout guy still, so he could theoretically work his way into that. I'm not saying to go get him. I'm just throwing the name out there for long term. If they if you start seeing him come in and uh, starting to dominate, maybe a middle relief with a maybe a simplified plan of attack, he could work his way in there because they took him out of the rotation and stuck him in the pen. Yeah, um, I think he could be interesting. They'd probably use him as a long man only because, like, his what's his biggest issues, right? They're walks and home runs. That's yes. typically not what you want. Oh, in no, the not, not at all. I'm, so. I'm, not, I'm saying if they – Sometimes when they take a starter and put him in the pen, sometimes they simplify what they're trying to do, which in his case, you never know if they can, if, uh, if that'll help his, his command and such. Uh, I'm not saying don't add him. Don't even think about it. But, uh, you know, if you happen to be looking at box scores, kind of keep an eye on him because it's interesting because either, either he, that's where he goes, uh, you know, to, to become a kind of a upper tier reliever or his, his career kind of just ended. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being, trying to be an optimist. He, I mean, he did look better in his relief start or relief appearance. Mm -hmm. Two, to went two innings, um, five strikeouts and a walk. Like that was it. I mean, so, and it was in Colorado. So, like, I mean, that's uh, that's not a bad line for, for uh, Caleb this, Smith. So. This, this, I think this tangent it probably tells you all you need to know about the Diamondbacks, um, the bullpen. <laughs> that I could even bring this up. Yeah. Well, yeah. and the, so. I mean, a few years ago, me and Jason Collette and Paul Sporer and Ellen Adair was on, uh, and we played a game called Reliever or U.S. Congressman. <laughs> so, like, it and I and I just I picked I, I I gave them a name and they all had to guess which one it was, and nobody was even close to perfect on that one. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Mike Soroka dealing with some shoulder discomfort. He's going to be shut down for at least a couple weeks. Um, 
I mean, I've been very open about I'm just fading Soroka this year coming off of the injury, um, you know, uh, and I just I was worried about kind of what his workload was going to look like. And he's he needs the volume to be valuable, at least in my opinion, in fantasy. Um, and so I I was not willing to draft him. He was on my do not touch list um, uh, in spite of the fact that I had him as like a top 100 player coming into 2020. Uh, so I like him as a pitcher. What are your thoughts on Soroka right now? People did draft him. They drafted him at a decent price and have been holding on to him, hoping that he'd be back at some point this month. That looks like it's likely not going to happen now. Would you drop Soroka or are you, or are you just going to continue to hold? I think in most cases you probably have to continue to hold. Uh, this isn't a victory lap. I was fading him also. But, I mean, you had the Achilles injury, which is what he originally was rehabbing. And the worry isn't just that he's rehabbing an Achilles that could get somehow re-injured. It's that you worry about sometimes with lower body injuries, if it changes the pitcher's mechanics, maybe he doesn't push off on the lower body enough and he starts – you know, trying to arm it <laughs> to, to the plate, which, you know, now he has a shoulder problem. Is that the problem? So now you have the shoulder issue to deal with on top of the Achilles. And when he comes back, you know, you have a whole issue. So yeah, I mean, you know what? I may drop him. Uh, I want, I mean, right now I'm waiting out the news. Let's see if we can get a timeline here, obviously first, but if it's looking like it's anything beyond a month, um, I'm probably definitely shipping, shipping him off because I can't see it. I can't see him having both of those problems and coming back without the strikeout upside and being much better than streaming a pitcher for that long. I mean, I, there's not too many teams where I think you can afford the roster space. Some leagues have the extra IL spots because of COVID, so maybe you can afford to. But if it's a short bench, I, I'm not sure you can afford to wait. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you've got an IL spot available, you throw them in there. I just know you and I were talking about like the teams of ours that we drafted earlier this year that are absolutely decimated by injuries, right? Um, and we're, that we're going to have to start making tough decisions here pretty quickly or risk falling behind. Um, and so if you are in a situation like that, you don't have IL spots or you have, you know, a lot of like standard leagues have one or two or three IL spots. And you may have George Springer, who we're about to talk about. You may have, you know, Trevor Rosenthal, who we're about to talk about. Um, in those kind of situations, if you're having to decide between rostering Soroka, who my guess probably won't be back till mid to late June at this point, um, uh, I, yeah, I would probably drop him. I just, you know, let's say he's back at the beginning of June, right? Okay, so he's out for the next six weeks or so. How many innings is he going to get in his first two or three starts? I think you're getting good. I think you'll get a good look at what's happening right now to people that are completely fine. You have yeah. Jacob Degrom being taken out. Uh, of a shutout with 77 pitches. I mean, yeah, I, I think Jose Barrios being taken out with a no hitter going. Per, yeah, perfect game, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it plus not only do you have to worry about him not going the length, it's just is he going to be right? Um, mm -hmm. you know, because he's he has a lot to worry about on top of getting the rust off if he were completely healthy. So, it's um, yeah, it's a lot to deal with. So, yeah, I mean, most scenarios, I would say I'm with you. I'm probably going to be moving on. All right. Uh, speaking of which George Springer, uh, he working his way back from the oblique injury. We were hoping that he was going to be back fairly quickly. Uh, he injures his quad, uh, in, um, uh, in the rehab. Uh, and now it seems like he's going to be out for longer. I mean, I think this is clearly a spot where you, you're kind of just stuck, right? I mean, you're not able to cut him necessarily. You have to just 
hold him on your roster, even in NFBC leagues where he is, uh, where, where you have no IL spots. But I mean, how worried about Springer are you right now? What, what, what's not to love? Uh, like a second, third round pick with two soft tissue injuries. Yep. Uh, you, you can't do anything. Um, you can't. You, you got to wait it out and see how it goes. I can't, Im- I, I can't imagine a scenario where I drop him right now. I mean, they, they can always drop like a, a bomb on us, but no, I mean, you, you got to keep him. <laughs> uh, and there was, there was no planning for it either. It looked like they, they plan on him being ready for the home opener. Like he was, it's not like he was still nursing his other injury, the oblique, and he was still away. I mean, he was back. So this, it's hard to tell. Um, but yeah, there's nothing you can do with him, but wait it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think there's anything actionable here. So, um, but I, I, I can't tell you how stoked I was to get him in the fourth round of my TGFBI league. Um, and now I'm just like, oh my God, I have so many injuries. <laughs> I think the, the bat X, um, I think they had him as like a top 10 hitter, like yeah. period overall. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's a, he's in a, he can be an absolute beast and we see how well the blue Jays lineup is doing without him. So yeah. that, that could be a good thing. At least you, if you're a Springer uh, shareholder, you want them to take their time with the soft tissue injuries. So at least there's no reason to push him out. Uh, one thing I'll say, if there's anyone listening to any more shallow leagues, because I do articles at NBC, they have a partnership with Yahoo. I noticed that um, uh, I think of their outfielder, <laughs> the the guy who's taking his place right now, Guriel or oh, Grichuk. Uh, yeah, Grichuk. He's still available in like sixty percent of their leagues. Yeah. Um, if uh, if he's available, up, absolutely get him. <laughs> I picked him up in the first round of Fab and Tout. Oh yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. He should. He, he absolutely must be owned. He, he's in there. It's not like Rowdy Telez where he gets in there three out of the five days at DH. Grichuk's in there every day. Yeah, and he's hitting well. He's sitting for power, hitting well. I mean, it's uh, yeah, he he's a must own right now. I think if you're if you're uh, if he's available on your waiver wire, go uh, go pick him up right now. So good call. Uh, Aaron Judge is dealing with minor soreness in his side, or I, I think they said, um, I, I I can't remember the exact quote, but it's soreness in his side. They're not worried. That's why he's the day off today. I, I'm always worried when Aaron Judge is dealing with something. Um, and uh, surprisingly, I found out today I do have him on a team apparently this year, uh, even though I, I can't imagine that I actually drafted him. But um, I, I was out on Judge, especially at the price, because he was going really, really high. He went in the second round of one of my leagues uh, towards the end of draft season. People were really stoked on him. Uh, and, I mean, I love the talent on a per-plate appearance basis, obviously. But I just worry about his injury situation and injury proneness. Um, are you worried about Aaron Judge now? Yeah. I, I, has anyone ever stopped being? I mean, I guess there's people out there that aren't. But yeah, I'm always worried about Aaron Judge. Minor soreness should be his new nickname. Uh, they should just announce it over the loudspeakers. And there's nothing minor about anything with Judge because remember, like he came last season in the you know, spring training 1.0 with that injury that he had sustained at the end of the year and it was nothing. And all of a sudden he was just out for all of spring training into the regular season. There's nothing minor. Um, especially we already know obliques, which I assume side soreness means oblique. I don't know. I, would, I don't want to, I, I would assume. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. I'm very, very worried if um, uh, they, they haven't announced, they said that they don't know if he'll be in this weekend or not. If you, if I didn't have news going into like any kind of like a Friday lineup swap, I, I would be pulling him. Um, but yeah, you just got to follow the news for it. But yeah, I am worried, but there's nothing you can do, but again, nothing you can do, but wait, if you do happen to have shares. 
yeah, the, uh, Aaron Boone, the manager of the Yankees, uh, called it general soreness in his left side. Um, I don't like that, but yeah. uh, I mean, hopefully he is okay and will be able to get back into the lineup. But uh, if you if you have daily pickups, make sure you've got a someone to to you know play for him because it sounds like he could miss the weekend. All right, uh, and obviously, even if he goes on the IL, you're not dropping him, right? So, because um, you spent way too much uh, draft value. Uh, Trevor and, Rosenthal, and, and okay. you'd think you'd think if you drafted Aaron Judge, uh, you'd be prepared, right? Like you would have drafted a a superior bench option, <laughs> maybe before filling out the rest of your pitchers in anticipation of him being out. If if not, that that's kind of on you. So you kind of should have. This covered to a degree, uh, so yeah. Hopefully, you are everybody. I, I mean, I yeah, I completely agree. But he, you know, if you look at the totality of the NFPC drafts, so that includes all of their formats. He went as high as twenty-one. He went as high as thirty-one in the main events. Like people, so people took him very highly. His ADP in the main events was fifty-four. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, Trevor Rosenthal he may need thoracic outlet um, surgery. This is. This came out of nowhere. I mean, he was there was no talk about him dealing with anything um, other than I think there like he had like a calf issue early in spring training. Came back was pitching fine. Uh, everybody was drafting him as a top ten closer, uh, and then on opening day he gets placed on the IL with a shoulder issue. Okay, you know this is disappointing, but hopefully he'll be back here in the next month or so. And then the last couple days, the thoracic outlet has been he's gone and seen a thoracic outlet specialist um now they're talking that he may need the surgery that would at least put him out for three to four months uh but i mean this has ruined guys careers right this is what ruined matt harvey's career um this is what derailed alex cobb's career uh and cobb is one of the few examples of someone who's been able to come back and be a somewhat effective i mean obviously not the pitcher he was early in his career but um I think the question becomes, do you drop Trevor Rosenthal? Because I have him in TGFBI with a bunch of other injuries, including Springer. I'm dropping him this weekend uh, um, unless we get some sort of news as that he's going to, I don't know. Do, I don't even know if there's news that would prevent me from dropping him at this point. Yeah, I, the only news would be a doctor would come out and say that he was paid off to say he needed thoracic outlet syndrome and he's actually fine. If that happens... Um, then, then like the crop report and trading places, like something like devastating, then yeah, sure. Other than that, yeah, it's, this is a career ending surgery for a 30 year old reliever probably. And that's too bad. Um, so yeah, coming back this year or not, there's no way he's going to come back and be an effective closer. So it's time, it's time to move on. Unfortunately. Uh, I'm yeah, I, I completely agree. It's a huge bummer. I know Joe, the morning of opening day, dropped a my bold predictions article where I said Trevor Rosenthal would lead the American League in saves. Um so that one ended really poorly and very quickly. Uh very much in the same fashion that years ago I predicted that uh Garrett Richards would win the Cy Young and then he got Tommy John a month into the season. Um so uh, <laughs> my luck with bold this is why I stopped doing bold prediction articles. I did. I did love the. I did like the April first bold predictions. That was fantastic. yes, yes. I had uh, previously earlier that day. I had dropped a fake one, um, <laughs> in which I gave the most unbold predictions, but also gave analysis to why, um, like Mike Trout would like hit above two hundred. Um, <laughs> 
you know, stuff like that. But uh, in Oakland, do we think Deakman is the guy here? Uh, for the same reason, uh, for more strong, I feel strongly, more strongly about it. But for the same reason, Kraken, I think Deakman would be the front runner simply because he's did it before. He's the lefty, but they have a couple of lefties in the pen. Uh, I think Wendelkin could certainly sneak in there. Sergio Romo will probably get the occasional one. And uh, I guess also similar to how I brought up the wild card in Arizona, AJ Puck obviously is not going to be a rotate, you know, in the rotation long term. They have him in the bullpen right now. I would love for them to simple thing, simplify things up for that guy. He could be a dominant uh, reliever, but again, nothing to count on. Jake Diekman, I think, is the guy to roster if you're in a deep format and you're desperate. Uh, I think Wendelkin would be my second choice. I know a lot of a lot of sharp guys are on Romo, but I don't know. I don't. I don't like. I can't. I don't like rostering bad relievers. I can't do it, even if it's for saves. It's just not my style. <laughs> so I mean, I'll, I'll pass on Romo, even though I think he's probably the likely second choice. But I think Deakman's easily out front. Yeah, and I think the team has already said that Deakman's going to lead them in saves for, or leave them as the closer for right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Wendelkin and Romo will get some sneak stuff. Um, but right now, I have no reason, I guess, not to believe the team unless Deakman, you know, Deakman's first outing wasn't great. Um, or I think it was the second outing wasn't great, but it, whatever. It, it's, it's one appearance. So it's really sad that the team like the, uh, the A's go, go out there and they make the move. Like it's not a ton of money, but for them, it is. Uh, and they, you know, they get, <laughs> they get a guy to really put them over the top in, in terms of what kind of moves they're going to make. Uh, it's just it's just too bad. I mean, there's a lot of A's, a lot of A's fans out in the uh, the industry. I feel bad for. I, I feel bad for him too. I don't understand why they made this move and put the money towards Rosenthal instead of just putting it towards Simeon. Yes. Well, I yeah. Mean, well, well, they were too busy lowballing him uh, and embarrassing themselves. Yeah, I mean, but like, if you're gonna put the money towards just one player, like, I mm-hmm. just do it towards the player that is you know been part of your franchise and, and really good and you were getting at a discount anyways just don't offer it to him in one million dollar installments yes it, what was that was it 10 years for a million or yeah, one million it, for 10 years or something crazy i think it was yeah, i think it was like 12 million over like eight years for for a one-year contract like yeah i mean come on like you you know you've got a billionaire owner like really that's that's what you've got to, that that's like the whole the fact that they act as if they don't have money is insane. Oh, I don't feel bad for the, the I don't feel yeah. bad for the team. I feel bad for the fans. Oh, like I you totally. Said, they, I mean, the, the guy on the mound for the Mets today looks pretty good. Taiwan Walker. They mm-hmm. could have spent money on a guy like that. They yep. know their injuries they have in the rotation. You know you're going to need a guy. So they, they they definitely. I mean, if they just made a couple more moves, they're already a contender. They could they could be a force. But yeah, we don't have to go down this road. Eh? Yeah, it's not to bum anybody out. <laughs> Uh, James Paxson has hit the I.L. with forearm strain. He was looking really, really good in spring, looked really, really good in the start that he got injured in, and then all of a sudden he's removed from the game. Forearm issue. He has said that the forearm issue was worse last year than than it is right now. Um, But at this point, there's no reason to believe that this is not going to end extremely poorly. To anyone that's like trying to convince themselves, you 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 roster James Paxson, you're like, it's gonna be okay. He says it's fine, it's gonna be fine, he's gonna come back and he's gonna be great. He James Paxton, remember who it is, it's James Paxton has a current forearm injury. Is there then look at the waiver wire? You're telling me there's no one on your waiver wire that you think will end up as a net 
positive over James Paxton, who currently has a forearm injury. Uh, if, you know, if, if you, if you're serious about the answer, you'll know. I mean, it's, you, you just got to move on. If it's a four, even if he comes back, what are the odds of this not being, you know, activated down the road? I, I don't want to, you know, be a bummer. His velocity was up and it was probably going to be exciting, even with the six man rotation giving him the extra days off. It looked like it was a nice situation for him, but it's, unless you're in the deepest of formats where there's, the, it's very slim pickings, it's, it's probably again an sure move on type situation. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and I think this is uh, another reminder of something I don't think that the industry as a whole talks about enough, that velocity gains, especially sudden ones, are not always a good thing. Yes. like I think often we go, oh, look, the velocity's up. Um, but a lot of the precursors to this elbow, forearm, UCL tear stuff comes with a velocity gain. Um, and that so just – just a reminder that that happens. Um, so uh, I, I've got him in at least one league um, <laughs> uh, that's also decimated by injuries. Uh, so like uh, I, I, I hope that he comes back and he's good. But um, I think, yeah, if you're in that kind of tough roster crunch spot that we've been talking about, it's okay to move on. Hey, qu- question before, just a real quick, this like a strategy thing. Um, if you have a guy like Paxton or any of these guys we talked about, you want to move on. And again, if there's the, there's only so much inventory as far as starting pitchers go on the waiver wire, do you think of it as you have to be super aggressive because other teams are no doubt going to be facing this other these other problems? So you have to strike while the iron's hot and grab the guys off the waiver wire? Or are you more reluctant, maybe not in Paxton, but if you're borderline, are you more reluctant to drop a guy that is that could be significantly better because you're worried that, you know, th- there'll be no there'll be no replacing him, you know, if he does come mm-hmm. back. Like, uh, it's, it's, I guess you can have two different mindsets. I'm of the mindset of I want to be aggressive because I don't know how much there'll be, there'll be inv- interesting inventory um, because I expect, a, you know, we've already seen it, but I expect a ton more starting pitcher injuries as the season goes on. So I think this is um, very contextual to your league size and then also to your team roster construction. So first talk about, let's talk about league size. If you're in a 15-team league, there is going to be much less available on the waiver wire, um, and there's going to be much less that, of talent that comes into the pool, right? Because people have – I mean, there, there's just more – you know, there's 450 players drafted typically or, or something along those lines depending on what your roster size is. Um, so I would be much more aggressive in those situations because there's just going to be less to pick from. Um, and the chances that a – you know, huge talent coming into the player pool is much smaller. Now, if you're playing in a 10 or 12 team league, there's waiver wire replacement, right? So yeah. I'm less aggressive um, uh, in those kind of leagues. In, in shallower formats, uh, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit less aggressive because you're typically streaming guys left and right, trying to get the flavor week, flavor of the month. Um, you know, and hopefully you land on someone that ends up turning into the Lucas Giolito that we saw a few years ago. Uh, but I, I, I tend to just be more, you know, kind of volume playing in a 10 or a 12 as opposed to all my money goes on one guy uh, because chances are I'm going to be dropping that guy later. Uh, whereas in a 15-team league, I'm usually looking to keep a guy if I'm trying to replace stats. Uh, as far as it being roster contextualized, it kind of depends on who we're talking about. Like a guy like Paxton, yes, um, 
you know, he's you obviously planned for for a certain stat line to to give you or to to be in your overall numbers. Um, but he doesn't necessarily win you a category. A guy like Trevor Rosenthal, though, you were hoping he was going to win you a specific category. Um, and you have to be very aggressive in attacking saves if you're dropping someone like that, uh, because there's only certain guys that can get you that category. There isn't like, you know, a, there are five closers on each team in Major League Baseball. There's one closer or sometimes two closers. Uh, though this year that may not necessarily be true, but mm-hmm. um, I'm much more aggressive if I'm targeting a specific stat category as opposed to targeting um, uh, uh, just like overall. I need a position. Yeah, there's only there's only so many people ever available that you can even even if you wanted to try to get cute and try to stream saves uh, that that are available. You can you can there's always a there's always a week where you can stream Merrill Kelly. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, so and and not necess- and that's not the case for close. Completely agree. All right. Uh, last uh, news item uh, is Nick Whitgren gets the save. So everybody was talking about, well, they brought Whitgren in the seventh. He looked bad. Um, he's not the closer. It's got to be Karinchek or Klasse. Uh, and then Whitgren comes in, uh, you know, two days later, nails down a save, looks pretty good. Um, is this just a straight committee? Is this just going to be one of those situations that everybody's going to be like every other day, we're going to be like, oh, it's Klasse. Oh, no, it's Karinchek. Oh, no, it's Whitgren. Um, or do we think that one of these guys it, at least has the role right now or could have the role completed themselves at some point in the season? My, right now, my 1A is still Klasse, but I think it's just a mix. I mean, Karinchak and Klasse came in this one before Whitgren, um, and they were used earlier. I, I I believe Krinchak actually blew the game when he came in in this particular situation. So I think it's just, uh, yeah, I think the manager there is just using Terry Francona is just kind of using the pitchers as he sees fit and uh, they they'll just move around like puzzle pieces. I think Krinchak will end up being too wild and Wickern will end up being too boring. So like the, you know, the three little bears I'm, I'm settling on class A. Well, I think it'll be a nice mixture of the two. Uh, but yeah, I think they should all be rostered, and this will probably be a headache for the foreseeable future. Okay, so I, I've got to ask the question because you said you don't like to roster crappy relievers, right? Yes. So is this bias? Because to me, it seems like it's either Whitgren or there is no guy. Like it's it's you know it's one of the it's well, one of the two situations. And as much as I like Classe, and I do think yeah. long term and maybe even now he's the best reliever of the three. The Indians are very money conscious, and do they want to give the the young kid uh, arbitration negotiating power later on? I mean, they, they just traded their face of their franchise for, and I like Andres Jimenez, and I like Ahmad Rosario, but a bag of balls to your mats. Um, <laughs> so, like, I to me, it's like. If the organization is involved, I don't think Klasse really has a chance. Honestly, at this point, I don't think anybody on this team gets the 20 saves. No, um, I but I think that Whitgren likely leads the trio. Yeah, the, to your first point about not rostering bad pitchers, I don't have any Karinchak shares in, in real leagues. Um, I took them early in like mock drafts. That's about it. So I, I'm not willing to take on the risk there, but I'd put him in a different category due to his like electric ability to strike people out. So I think you can – 
I guess there's like a, you know, a diagonal where you can be this crappy if you strike out this many hitters. And, and you know, more often than not, some, he, he, he'll get you there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a risk I'm not willing to take. Wickren's the only one I actually do have. Uh, Class A, who actually went undrafted in quite a few of my leagues, but people scooped him up in, you know, Fabapalooza. Uh, it's just, I would just say that uh, that's who I would bet on leading the team in saves. Like you said, I don't think anyone gets to 20. And I think, I think it'll be a pretty even group. If I had to bet on one of them actually taking the job, I would say it would be Wickren. Um, I think Class A would be the one I'd be the most interested in keeping. Uh, but I mean, it's a thin margin. Karinchak's the only one I don't actually have interest in. If you're in, let's say, a 10-team league, are you rostering any of these guys? Nope. Okay. And then, and I, I might roster Wittgren, but I, I don't think I don't think you, he needs to be necessarily owned. In, yeah, I, I, uh, someone asked me a question. I'll point it to you. Someone asked me this question on Twitter. It was interesting. He was in a might have been a ten-team league. I think he had Merriweather and Romano, and he really wanted to get Karinchak. And I was just trying to tell him if you drop one of the Blue Jays guys and you're wrong, you could end up with nothing. Or you could end up a double winner. Um, I don't. I didn't like Karinchak a whole ton, so I just said, "Do you have anyone else to drop? You can try to do those three. Maybe trade a guy." I went through a lot of scenarios with him, but overall, I just said, uh, "For now, I think I just hold on to the Blue Jays. Uh, if, yeah. if if that's what you want to do, I'd rather have both Blue Jays guys than drop one of them for Karinchak." So that's, I guess, an insight to how I'm thinking. Yeah, I completely agree. I would rather wrap up Blue Jays saves than, like you said, end up with nothing. Because if you let's say he dropped Romano um, and and picked up Karinchek, well, if Karinchek's not getting any saves, and then at some point they go, oh no, Romano's the guy in Toronto. Now you got nothing. Um, yes. And so no, I would much rather just wrap up Blue Jay saves than play the ge- guessing game uh, of is it Karinchek? Because I I honestly don't think uh, I think Karinchek is going to be a, a valuable reliever, especially in deeper formats. But for the most part, if if you're making a decision whether to drop uh, Romano, you're not playing in a deeper format. You're playing in a shallower one. And at that point, just wrap up the Blue Jays. Yeah, and Karinchak, when I mentioned that his risk is worth the reward in strikeouts, that's only if he's getting saves. If you just want a good um, ratio guy who strikes people out, there's plenty of guys not getting saves that are going to be a superior yep. option to Karinchak. Completely agree. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on and talk about guys who are off to slow starts and if we're doing anything with them, what we're doing with them. Um, and I think we have to start with Keston Hira, only because uh, our good buddy Mike Curlin and I have a bet from the start before the start of the season on uh, who would have who would be better this year, uh, Kettle Marte and Keston Hira. The loser has to wear the Justin Mason swimsuit on a live stream. Uh, I have Keston Hira. He has started out 0-19 with 10 strikeouts. He has Kettle Marte, who is now hurt. Um, I could, mean, you, could, could Kettle Marte be out for the year and you still lose this bet? Theoretically. <laughs> theoretically, <laughs> I, theoretically, I could. Um, because he has not looked good at all. He is swinging wildly. Um like I'm, I wasn't even a Keston Hero guy. It was more a matter of I didn't trust the health of Marte, uh, or uh, necessarily buy that uh, he was going to tap back into the power that we saw in 2019. Um, but I thought, you know, while Hero's not necessarily a good baseball player um, or a good hitter, like he was going to hit some home runs and steal some bases and it at least finish higher than uh, Marte. But over 19, 10 strikeouts is is concerning. Um, 
uh, I'm not obviously dropping him um, if I've got him rostered in a league, but how worried are you about Keston Hira? I'll say just as a blanket statement, and this will probably be as a, uh, a a theme as we go on. I'm not changing my opinion on anyone I drafted unless there is a playing time concern or an injury. Um, so I even I I'm concerned, of course, but I'm I won't be doing anything about it. it. It's not a matter of like what happens when he hits the ball. That's never a problem as far as like a slump, like he's hitting grounders. It's a matter if he hits hits if he hits the ball. And right now he's like a 50% strikeout rate and a nice round zero percent walk rate. So um yeah, it's just brutal. 48% O swing, which is you know, the chase is outside of the strike zone for anyone who's not into that. 56% Z contact, which is your contact within the strike zone. These are all brutal. But if you look at his track record in the in the minor leagues and what he's done in the majors so far, even with him struggling last year, this ain't gonna last. Um I mean, I think it's like it's not like a good money after bad situation continuing to wheel him out there, but maybe you can bench him for now. Uh, he'll bounce back. To the degree, I don't know. Uh, it, it still looked like he was a surefire 30% strikeout rate guy, but uh, you know, 50% is, is incorrect. I would say he's a buy low guy if, if you happen to have anyone in your league. He's at, he'd probably be at the top of my list. Not that I think that he's going to fully bounce back, but that whatever you can probably get him for now is you're going to end up getting a return. So yeah, I'm super worried, but I, it might be one of those things. He just gets an infield single <laughs> and it turns it around because uh, yeah, right now he's just like in this weird over kind of thing. He just needs to have like maybe one strong game and turns it around. So, yeah, cautiously optimistic and worried at the same time. <laughs> there's a there's a few guys that we're going to talk about in the section. I tried to, for the most part, keep it guys that might be actionable um, or we might discuss whether it's actionable, but – Oh, obviously, a few of these guys, like you're not doing anything other than maybe if someone's freaking out in your league trying to buy low on. Um, if if Kessinger went 0 for 19 with 10 strikeouts in August, we wouldn't even notice. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's exactly. So, I mean, like, let please, please, please do not overreact when we're talking about players you drafted in your first 20 rounds or so. Like, it's just. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about it because I think there will be people out there if they're looking at their teams going, oh, my God, do I need to drop Kesson Hira in my 10-team league? Do not do it. Bench him. Put someone else in because next week we could be talking about him with four home runs and, you know, hitting 280 and two stolen bases. And, oh, look, he's about to gain first base eligibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, just you know, stay calm. Stay calm right now, everyone. <laughs> calm uh-huh. down. <laughs> uh, Jeff McNeil is uh, 0 for 9 to start the season. I have the game is currently going on right now. I have not seen if he's done anything. Um, he it, the the reason it's on this list is because there was a huge um, uh, outpouring of uh, anger because he was dropped to seventh in the order today by the Mets uh, behind Jonathan VR, uh, and I was laughing at people. Um, and you as a Mets fan came in and uh, and was like, it's behind Jonathan VR. Um, and so I thought it'd be, since I'm having you on, I thought it'd be fun to talk about it. Are you worried all at all about Jeff McNeil? I Literally 0%. I, I don't draft many Mets, so this isn't a Homer thing. I actually don't have too many McNeil shares. There's plenty of people out there that put a little more stock in the position eligibility, uh, although I really do believe in him. I think he can hit for power and for average. He's batting, he was batting zero. This is a stat you'll never see, even in early season, everybody. He was batting zero 
with a 398 expected batting average. <laughs> that, that's with it also a 771 expected slugging percentage. He's batting zero. And those, again, 398 and 771. He's making tons of hard contact. I know looking at the box scores, it's impossible to imagine. But, I mean, I'm watching these games, you know, the benefit of being a fan of a team. He's smoking the ball left and right. It is just finding fielders every time. So I, I'm not worried at all, which is why it stunned me when they gave him the day off, lefty-righty versus Nola. Um, he's fine. I mean, I know he had the bad spring. Sometimes, you know, you have a poor spring and people just turn it on. As far as the regular season go, he's making great contact, and I think he's going to turn it around. Today he's over one with a walk. I, I, you hey, know, a walk is a game. walk, though. I mean, yeah. like, at least he's not – I think he only has one strikeout. He so. has swung at the first pitch, I think, seven times. Uh, he yeah. has seen hardly any pitches. But, he, again, he's making – that again, that stat speaks for itself. It's really early. You can't dig into this. But, again, if you're batting zero with a three ninety eight expected batting average, I think that tells the story of what kind of contact you are making. And, like, I was kind of out on the price this year on mm-hmm. McNeil. Um, and, you know, one of the things I said on Twitter earlier today was, for me, it was a matter of, like, the power outage scared me. And the fact he didn't run at all last year scared me. Um, I think he's going to hit for average. Like this idea that he's not going to hit for batting average is fine. My biggest concern with McNeil was uh, one where he was going in drafts because he went as early as I think like the third round in TGFBI or something like that. Um, and uh, that if he ends up being just an empty batting average guy, you can't take him inside the top 100. Um, well, I think the main concern is is people were drafting him expecting him to bat second and. I mean, he's seventh today. He's more likely going to be six, but the six was was the plan. That was that was their plan. Uh, they said Lindor's number two the entire time. They're locked in the Alonzo and um, Conforto flip flop if it's righty or lefty, and then going with Dom Smith. Uh, but again, McNeil is going to be down towards the bottom. If everyone knew that for sure, I don't think. I mean, I don't think there's no way he would have went where he did. Yeah, but I mean, it seems pretty clear that they are going to start Nimmo at least against righties at the top of the order. So, yeah. uh, which I love because I'm a big Brandon Nemo guy, um, as, as people have been listening know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't think we need, don't, don't do, don't do anything actionable with, with McNeil. He's going to be fine. He's going to give you somewhat of what you thought you were going to get, which is at least a great batting average, um, and, uh, some power, some speed, maybe not as much, uh, as some people think. Cause someone said, Hey, he could be like a 2020 guy. I don't know about that, but um, uh, I, I do know that, or I do feel like he's going to hit for a, his batting average and on-base percentage is going to be fantastic. Uh, the If you have like Tatis or Kettle Marte, I think he's a fine option if you're in a trade league. Yep. You know, obviously Tatis, it would be a middle infield situation where you have shortstop covered, but that's a deep position. You probably have another shortstop, but he'd be a nice guy to try to buy low on um, and see what his price is, because maybe you weren't interested at the price of the draft. But right now, um, if the owner is getting frustrated, you know, I mean, an offer is an offer. It's 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 if you're ever going to buy low on a guy, that's that's a good time to do it. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Trammell is two for 19 with 11 strikeouts to start the year. Uh, this was a prospect everybody was pretty excited about really at the end of spring training because it looked like he was going to make the team, uh, probably have close to an everyday role. They're dealing with a bunch of injuries. They've said today that they were not changed their plans with uh, Jared Kalanick and um, Logan Gilbert in spite of the fact that they have injuries on the team that they were going to use, continue their development uh, in 
the not minor leagues because there aren't minor leagues yet. Um, so <laughs> what are you doing with Taylor Trammell? Are you dropping him? He, I mean, he probably went close to the last round or even was a waiver wire pickup in most leagues. Are, are you moving on and kind of going to the next guy or are you going to give him a little bit of time? I am fine moving on. Um, he, they're going to bring up Kalinic, um, you know, 30 days at the, at the most, I think. Uh, right now, he's only being saved by those injuries, like you said. Um, you know, what's a, what's his name? Uh, Kyle Lewis is coming back very soon. Mm-hmm. He's already on the men. He'll be back very soon. They're putting Sam Haggerty in the outfield, I mean, right now. He's starting today. So that's all you need to know about their situation. Uh, Jake Fraley's currently hurt. Again, I think Trammell's only in the lineup due to the injuries. I think otherwise he'd be sitting. Um, he continues to be bailed out. Evan White, he, he injured himself yesterday. Marmalejos went to first base for a little bit. So, again, I think I think once this team starts to get healthy, uh, he'll, he'll start to get phased out. So if you have another intriguing option, you know, in the outfield, like there usually is in the um, – on the waiver wire, I, I would be fine moving on. I mean, if you are using him in your lineup, that's a mistake. So if, yeah. if if that is the position you're in, then you need to rectify that, either by benching him or dropping him for somebody else to put in your lineup. Um, if you have had him on your reserve list because you thought he was an intriguing prospect, I don't think this changes it. We, we all knew that Taylor Trammell was going to strike out. He's, he's done it throughout his entire career. He's got power. He's got speed. He struggles with contact. Um, so if you're stashing him, then I don't think there's any reason not to stash him. You know, you were on the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast recently with Matt Thompson. And, you know, Matt talk, and Matt does a lot of great prospect work for us at Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Um, and he, he talked about how, like, general managers, organizations have their guys, right? Guys they've traded for, guys they've drafted. And Trammell is one of their guys. Um, and so they may give him a lot of run. Plus, they're not anticipating winning this year. Um, so they may be okay with him going out there and striking out 40% of the time uh, to see what they have in him. So it, it's very contextual to what you're looking for, but he should not be in a starting lineup. That is for sure. Um, and uh, if, if he is, then you need to get another option. Yeah. Yeah. They, they said, yeah, like you said, he, there's, there's he's he's going to be in the lineup because they don't literally don't have any other options and he could turn it around in any minute. I would say I, the only thing is he's not someone where if you were really high on him, only move on if there is a option, if you have a need, if he's on your bench, you can afford to lose it for something else. You need a closer or if someone drops an outfielder that, you know, you would prefer instead, I would be fine. Uh, but yeah, other than that, you know, he, he, he's, he's the guy value him as you did when you picked him up, <laughs> you know, that, that's pretty much nothing has changed. Like I exactly. said at the beginning, nothing, nothing really has changed for me. Yep. Uh, speaking of value the guy where you picked him up, a lot of people, including myself started kind of buying into some hype on uh, Austin Slater uh, towards the end of draft season. I drafted him in a main first game hits a home run since then has not done anything. His total line, uh, is three for 23, 11 strikeouts. He has a home run in a stolen base. Uh, the Giants have been letting him lead off uh, against lefties, um, and their lineup has been crushing lefties. I'm, I, I, I wonder how long they will continue to let him do this, um, uh, even play at this point, uh, considering what he's doing at the plate. What are your thoughts on Austin Slater? I, I'm definitely hanging on to him because he's hitting the ball hard. So I think as far as his performance, I think he'll be fine. 
I, I hopefully he turns around while they're giving him the opportunity to bat because the only concern I had for Slater coming into the season was at bats and because of a platoon situation. If he's going to get them, I'm excited. So I think he'll turn it around. Just hopefully he'll do it before they pull the rug out from underneath of them. So, yeah, I'm hanging tough on him. I Like if I had to make a decision between Slater and Trammell, I'm going with Slater. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree in terms of like if you're choosing between the two um, – I mean, Slater's playing like I, you know, on a team that is very uh, platoon heavy, like the Giants, the fact that they're running him out there pretty much every day, I think he has played in every single game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says what they, what they think of him. And he, again, you know, maybe this is one of their guys, even though he's been in the organization for a while and it is kind of a newer front office. Uh, they seem to be very, uh, very intrigued and uh, very interested in giving him a chance. So I like him, and I think I'm going to keep holding on to him for right now. But he's probably going to hit my reserve list for a little while. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I like you said, when teams have their guys, they're a team in transition. They're, the outfield's always been their weak spot. I think if you know they have some interesting guys in the in the minors, if they like Slater and they put him out there, give him an opportunity, and he does well, they'd like to be able to have a guy like that out there. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind parking him on the bench, but. Uh, you know, I, you know, it's funny. I have him a couple places, and I'll just be afraid. I know I'm going to sit him, and then he'll go off, which well, either is fine. If he goes off, that's a, that's a positive regardless. But, uh, yeah, I'm holding on. I'm holding on. I'm stubborn, stubborn with Austin Slater. There's nothing more frustrating than being like, this is my guy, this is my guy, this is my guy. And then you you <laughs> drop him or uh, or put him on your bench, and he just goes off and has an amazing, you know, week. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe I should just listen to my gut. But – no, I mean, it's, I mean, definitely, I would definitely, I'm continuing to roster. I've got Austin Slater in, in my main event team or one of my main event teams. I'm not dropping him. Uh, and uh, even in shallower formats, I'm, I'm still going to hold on for right now, especially because they are letting him play. Um, another guy, kind of the antithesis of uh, Tramel and Slater, a guy who had really early draft season hype and then, all of a sudden people started running away because he was struggling in spring and uh, it didn't look like he was going to lead off as Leo de Tavares. Um, he has started off uh, poorly as well. Uh, he has been two for 19 with 12 strikeouts, uh, which is um, impressive. Like, I mean, that's <laughs> like, it, it's, it's the anchor man gift. Like I'm, I'm not even mad. Like it's, it's amazing. Um, what are you doing with Tavares? Because this was a guy who was a top, 175 pick I want to say um, and you thought you were going to get power and speed and so far you're getting strikeouts the uh, it's funny you look at his contact percentage and it's 68 which is terrible his Z contacts above 80 like 82.4 he's making contact in the zone but he chases everything He's like 40% of the pitches almost out of the strike zone he chases. Uh, he just has like a, just a brutal plate discipline and a really bad eye, or he's aggressive. He's like me playing MLB The Show. I'm the opposite of Paul. I swing at every pitch that comes. If you ever literally never throw me a strike, I swing, I just swing at everything. I, I'm taking everything deep or I'm striking out. Um, and that's kind of what it looks like Tavares is up there doing. So, I mean, yeah, he chases and he makes no contact. That's, that's bad. And I, I see no reason for that to turn around. I avoided him in the preseason because I thought he would be sent back down. And I know they don't really have a ton to play for, but they actually have a lot of players, a lot of mouths to feed on that team. Uh, so I think that they could turn away from him sooner or later 
because, you know, how long are you going to let your prospects sit out there and just continue to get worse and worse with no, no help? I think that they'll, they'll try to actually at some point move him down to like what the alt camp or when minor leagues finally kick up. I think that he's going to end up getting sent down. He looks so bad and I see no, no signs of improvement coming. Yeah. I mean, he was a guy that I was, I was like, I was very interested in because of his stolen base upside and the fact that it seemed like they were committed to leading him off. Uh, but I never, like, I was always like, like probably the third most interested in my league. And so like, he just never ended up on, you know, very many of my teams. I don't even know if I have them anywhere, honestly. Um, and I am a bit worried about this. The thing I will say is it, it appears the Rangers are moving in a different direction than we've seen with them in the past. They've gotten rid of guys like uh, Rugged Odor and, uh, and Elvis Andrews and going, we're going to play our guys. And if he's one of our guys, maybe he, they let him try to just figure this out at the majors because they're not anticipating competing this year either. So, I mean, you don't have Kyle Gibson as your opening day starter if you're anticipating competing. Um, so in spite of the fact that I stacked against him yesterday and he actually shoved, um, thanks a lot, Kyle. I'm sorry. I didn't believe in you. Um, so I, I don't know that they'll send him down, but I don't know that I want to be at least starting this right now. If you, if you've drafted him, you're probably holding him for at least a couple weeks, but he should be on your reserve list. And if you're in a shallower format, 10, 12 team league, I have no problem cutting him. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I mean, if you have him right now, like I said, I don't change my mind on people too quickly. I, I listed the reason I was I was out on mm-hmm. him. Yeah. I can I can have like I said, my opinion hasn't changed. I thought that he might perform poorly, like you know, like uh, Jose Garcia, like Joe Adele when they first came up. They're just overmatched and they weren't ready. I think that they like him to the point where if he continues to struggle, they they need him to work on something. I don't know if something like this. They'll have him work on at the major league level. But either way, um, you can't find anything like him on the waiver wire. So if you have him in a deep format, you're just going to park him on your bench for now. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about a few pitchers before we wrap this up. Uh, start with uh, old buddy of mine, uh, Madison Baumgartner. Um, I, you know, Mount Rushmore of Giants players. Uh, appreciate everything he did for the team. But since that ATV accident, he has just not been the guy that he once was. Uh, and for these, the last few pitchers that we're going to talk about, or the three pitchers we're going to talk about, the, I, I picked guys who all have had at least two starts, right? I, I don't, and I, and I left off the Luis Castillos who got shelled in his opening, but was fantastic yesterday, right? So we obviously, those aren't guys that we're worried about at all. Um, Madison Baumgartner has nine innings pitched. He has an 11 ERA. Um, he gave up six earned runs in his first start, uh, uh, in four innings in five innings, uh, yesterday, he gave up five runs. There were some people who were buying back in at the end of, dra- or at the end of draft season because he was looking better in spring. Um, did they make a mistake? Um, and should people be dropping him in pretty much every format? I, I would, I, I think I think that he needed to reinvent the kind of pitcher he was. His velocity's up like um, 
like a, 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 at least one or two ticks, but uh, his fastballs are just getting crushed. And that's what he throws the most. The four seam in the, in the cutter are still the thing that he throws out the most. And uh, there's just no one biting on those now. And when they do, they're, they're getting hit really hard. His curveball and changeup are doing well. 43.8% whiff rate on the curve, which he throws quite a bit. He mixes in the change a little, 50% whiff rate. If he can go all Bartolo on us, maybe work reinvent who he is once his velocity is gone because his velocity is up, but it's still not there to be effective. And at least this, his control is not. You can live there as long as you can have pinpoint control, which he doesn't have at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I think if he decides to kind of lean into his off-speed stuff, kind of like the Reds, um, like maybe Sonny Gray, that he could do something. But – until I see that, I, I can't see, I can't see hold on to him because I, if I drop him, I can't imagine anyone picks him up. Um, so yeah, if there's a, I'd rather stream than than roster Madison Bumgarner because I'm not, I'm not going to hold him and not pitch him. If I'm going to not pitch him, I'm going to release him. Yeah, I, I don't know that there is a format in which I, I, I can, I mean, outside of NL only. In NL only, you're probably just stuck with him, right? Yeah. Um, but. In even 15-team mix, like, I don't think he's rosterable at this point. Um, you know, the, the issue that has occurred, and, I mean, I think the easy answer is that since the ATV accident, he, he hasn't been right. Um, but, you know, it may not have anything to do with that. We have no idea, honestly. But the, the issue he's had over the, the last few years is his inability – to um, command within the zone. So, and this is like the great distinction that um, I think gets overlooked sometimes. There's a difference between having good control and having good command. And when you watch him pitch, watch the glove of the catcher and watch how much it moves spot to spot after the catcher is set up. Um, and that shows you he cannot hit his spots within the zone. He can get to the zone. He's got good, decent enough control. Um, but he misses his spots, and that's what why he gets lit up. Um, and for that reason alone, I've been out on him for the last few years, um, and uh, and I continue to be. And it's a bummer because no, no pun intended. Um, because I I love the dude. Like I mean, like I said, Mount Rushmore of Giants players for me as a Giants fan. But he he just has not. I mean, I've watched every single one of his starts. Oh, you know, probably in his career. Um, and there is a distinct difference between when he was a stud and what he's been the last few years because of his inability to locate within the zone. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with everything you're saying. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's a shame, but yeah, with, with what he currently has, I think there's a path to being passable, but he, he's not showing any signs of, of changing it up, but what, what he's doing right now is, is not going to work and it never will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Max Freed got absolutely torched yesterday. I mean, like it was, um, yeah, it, it was not good. And I mean, the Nationals, uh, when healthy, are a pretty good offense and they've been hot, you know, in their first few games. But, uh, you know, first, first game went five innings, two earned runs, eight strikeouts. Okay, great. Yesterday, uh, two innings, five earned runs. Um, three strikeouts. Any concern on Max Fried, or is just a this is just a blip in the radar? I think it's just a blip in the radar. He's been like he's been in the zone a ton. He's usually forty percent. Uh, he's near the fifty percent mark right now. I mean, he's someone who likes to get that weak contact uh, and be 
be near the zone, but like on the corners. So instead of like being on the edges of the zone where you like, you know, hit a bunch of grounders, he's kind of leaving balls over the middle or up and they're, they're getting hammered. So his swing strike percentage is like up and uh, his Z contact is down. Uh, but that's because people are just like swinging constantly at pitches in the zone because he's not going anywhere outside of it. Uh, his chase rate is down like 32.4 to 25.7. So yeah, I think that right now it's just early season blip. He's a, uh, he's a guy that just, for the kind of pitcher he is, he needs to be kind of like Greg Maddox on the corners, and he's currently not not making that happen. All right, um, I completely agree with you. I'm I'm not worried. I, I saw some people freaking out on Twitter yesterday, and there were people in the in the uh, um, in the industry that were very much out on Max Fried. I, I, I mean, I was just that was more of a price thing. Like okay. I thought I was on. I think I said I think Wheeler is a discount Fried. I thought Sandy Alcantara was even more discount free if he up, you know, and I mean, that obviously looks good for me now, but again, it's, it's only like a start or two for these guys, but I was, I was out due to um, price, but I still fully as a Mets fan, think that this guy's a scion candidate. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. So I'm not even going to uh, belabor that point. Uh, quick uh, breaking news. Uh, Kettle Marte has been placed on the uh, IL with a hamstring strength. So apparently not a cramp. Um, so uh, that is a little bit of an update. Um, Paul Goldschmidt uh, out with lower back tightness. Hopefully that is nothing, but just kind of keep an eye on it. Andrew Vaughn not in the lineup again today. Um, what is Tony Larusa? I'd like to know what he's thinking half the time. Um, oh no, or I don't. I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's Nick Williams who was just recalled from the alternate site. Uh, that is going to be starting because Billy Hamilton was uh, it was placed on the IL and Larry Garcia is injured. So like, not only are they not starting Vaughn, um, they're now uh, they're now starting Nick Williams over him. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know Nick Williams still in the league. <laughs> well, you know it's funny it, it, they there was all these rumors that they were going to be in uh, they were going to be in on all these free agents, like some of the big ones, they end up getting Liam Hendricks, a guy they didn't necessarily need, but it was a good person to bring in. Uh, and after letting go, Nomar Mazara, not that I think that he was a big loss, but you know, Eddie Rosario seemed like a good fit for them. I mean, there were so many people because, you know, we didn't know what they were going to do with Andrew Vaughn, but you know, him playing in left field probably wasn't in the cards for us, but it's just weird that they have no depth. They, they everyone considered them this big world series favorite, their four and five pitchers were suspect the entire offseason and they did nothing to really fix it. Although Carlos Rodon looks good. Uh, but I think at the time when they brought him back, I, I don't think there was necessarily you can give them credit for um, thinking that this would happen. <laughs> it took them long enough to do. But yeah, it's weird for a team that has aspirations to take the whole thing. They are oddly, some oddly poor depth. I just don't understand what they're doing. Like, I just. Yeah. Like, I mean, even from like, okay, this is the depth we've got, right? I mean, they could address it, right? But I mean, even if they're not going to address it via trade or, or free agency, like you, you, you brought up Andrew Vaughn for your opening day roster and now you're not playing him. You yeah, knew, yeah. you knew, like you were saying, he's going to play in the outfield. Um, like and like I an expensive was, bench player, a long yeah. term. <laughs> You, you, yeah, you gave, you're giving up a year of control because you think he's good enough to play and you're not playing him. 
Very bizarre. I, I don't get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, nothing actionable there. Um, unless for some reason you had Billy Hamilton on your team, uh, which you should not have unless you were playing in a White Sox only league. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it, if more than likely, if you drafted uh, Andrew Vaughn, you thought he was going to miss the first three weeks of the season, anyways. Um, so definitely don't don't change your outlook on him based on this. If you have him on like a twelve team league, and let's just say that there's like a Let's just say that it's a generous uh, waiver wire. There's a first baseman like a Jesus Aguilar available because in 12 team leagues, there's guys like that mm-hmm. sometimes. Would you, would you move on? No. No? In a 12? No. I didn't know. No. I don't think like, so. Well, I, reserve, you team if you're... I would reserve him for sure. Like I'd put him on my bench or my reserve list um, uh, and, and then, you know, drop someone else. But I, I mean, if I – he was going as a top 200 player prior to – the news that he was coming up. And then he was going as like a top 150 player after the news came out that he was going to make the opening day roster. I, I no, you're absolutely correct. It's just, if they're not playing them now, is it, is it going to happen? Like we have brains and we assume that it has to happen, but whatever they're doing is, I don't know, being spit out of a computer that's broken. Cause uh, it's just, it's ultra confusing. I, I think, you know what it is, 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 I think it's the move is to cut him, but I think that no one, is going to do it because it's crazy that he's not playing. Like we just have to see it for longer. Like how long can they keep up this nonsense? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think they're just riding the hot streak with Mercedes, but um, I, I mean, what if Mercedes isn't just a hot streak? What if he is actually a good enough hitter that needs to DH because he is defensively limited. Mm-hmm. And now you, you have to make a decision. Either you're going to send Vaughn back down or play him in the outfield. Um, like at some point, like he should just be playing in the outfield. Like you, there's no reason your top prospect that you've, you're losing a year of control on, obviously they could send him back down and, and gain that back. Uh, and maybe that is what happens, but uh, like, there's no reason he shouldn't be playing. Like he, he well, should yeah, play. Right. How about if there, if this is your plan, like this, what we're seeing is your plan, put him at the alt site. And play the outfield. Like if if the reason yeah. you're not he's not in left is you're worried, put him down there, let him work on it, then bring him back. It, I mean, you know, we obviously don't believe the Mariners in terms of Kalanick, right? Like yeah. we 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 obviously believe that they are just gaining the extra year of service time. But the White Sox would actually have a reasonable argument to send Vaughn down and be like, hey, you need to learn how to play the outfield. That's going to be your position at least for this year. Mm-hmm. Um. And we don't have the ability. Maybe they are building their case by not playing him. You know, <laughs> that'd be new. That'd be next level. Look at we gave him a shot. It didn't work out. Yeah, we we were trying to play him, um, but we just we just couldn't. We're we're in a dogfight of a division. Like you know, we're, I, I don't get it. Uh, let's finish out uh, here on Chris Bassett. Uh, Bassett was kind of a surprise. Last year, um, there were a few people in the industry who were on him, like like Jason Collette, um, you know, as, as a guy who could break out. But he has not started off so great. He currently has a 556 ERA in 11 uh, in a third innings. Are you worried about Chris Bassett right now? Or is this just – it was a tough starting schedule. He doesn't have overpowering talent or stuff to be able to overcome um, mechanical or, or arsenal missteps. And the thing is his command's just been off. I mentioned a little with the freed. I mean, 
Bassett's worse as far as being in the zone too much. He's like 56 and a half percent. The zone contact on him is nearly 90. And again, he doesn't have the swing and miss stuff to be able to survive that. And for some reason, his cutter, which he threw 9% of the time last year, he's now throwing 20% of the time. Again, limited space. So, I mean, the percentages are what they are. They'll change. But it's a terrible pitch for him last year. It wasn't one of his better ones. And now he's just leaving it over the middle of the plate. So, yeah, he's he's just a technician kind of guy up there. I, I'm not worried. I think that he'll lock this down. I think it's just early season rust. I don't think a guy like him all of a sudden forgot how to pitch. He just... You know, some some aces go out there, and when they don't have their stuff, they can overcome. Uh, Bassett cannot overcome when he's when he's missing his spots. This is going to happen. Yeah, I tend to kind of uh, agree with you. I mean, he also started off against Houston, who's been extremely hot to start of the year, and then went up against probably the best lineup in baseball uh, in in the Dodgers. So, like, I'm I'm not overly concerned. Uh, I'm not dropping him. I, I again, this was one I put on the list because there were people on Twitter being like, hey, do we need to drop Chris Bassett? No, maybe be a little bit more judicious in terms of who you're starting him against. Maybe he rides the pine for his next start. Um, and I don't even know who his next start is against. But um, Although yeah. if, he was, if he rolled in his first start, I'm not sure you start him versus the Dodgers anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, you probably shouldn't have been in yeah. your lineup uh, for, for the Dodgers, um, unless you were desperate. I mean, I know there were situations – I was in one of them in TGFBI with like Frankie Montas where I didn't want to start Frankie Montas this week, you know, um, but I, I, with so many COVID issues and with injuries, I, I had to just roll them out there and absorb it. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, and maybe I didn't, maybe I should have just put in someone who's injured. <laughs> Trevor Roosevelt should have stayed in my lineup. I think it's more, I think he's more in that tier where if you ro- if you're not streaming and you roster a pitcher like him, to stay on your roster the whole year, you were probably not wheeling him out there every week anyway. So you, unless you have the injuries, like you said, uh, you should be prepared to be able to avoid bad matchups anyway. But yeah, like you said, it's not avoidable this year. It may not be. I mean, I, I can't imagine, I, I imagine I'm not going to have too many weeks where I don't have at least a couple of guys that are down. Yeah. All right. Uh, that is going to wrap it up for this episode. Matt, thank you so much for coming in, pitch hitting football. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. I'll remind everybody, rate your social media and then plug everything that you do. All right, everybody. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. You can see all my written work over at NBC Sports Edge. I have a weekly column uh, by the numbers every Tuesday. I do the Circling the Bases podcast for NBC every Monday morning. And uh, I have my other podcast, Turn 2, which you can just find on Twitter at Turn 2 Podcast. Uh, yeah, that is going to wrap us up. Uh, we appreciate everybody who has been listening, everybody who's been joining the Patreon and the Discord. The Discord uh, channel is now in full swing. People are, are chatting all day long. Uh, we will do a live stream for uh, the Discord, but uh, Paul had some mic issues uh, on Monday with the, the program we have to use, um, and so we had to abandon the, the live stream. So hopefully next week we'll do the live stream inside of the Discord. That's uh, for, for Patreon subscribers, Patreon backslash sleeper in the bus, I believe. So, but the link will be in the uh, show description on whatever podcast app you're using. Uh, that will wrap us up for this episode. Uh, thank you, Matt, for joining me. Uh, we will talk to you on Sunday with Jason Collette.